0: sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, accelerate your business growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Rob Volpe. Rob is a master storyteller who brings empathy and compassion to the human experience. As CEO of Ignite360, he leads a team of creative professionals serving the world's leading brands. As an expert on empathy in the workplace, Rob frequently speaks on the topic at conferences, corporations, and college classes. He's a graduate graduate of the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications and lives in San Francisco with his husband and three cats. And I can tell you, you're going to notice this as we go through this conversation, that he really does bring empathy and compassion to the human experience. So thanks so much for being here today, Rob.
1: Oh, Diane, thank you so much for having me. It's a a pleasure to talk to you.
0: You too. And we're going to be talking about that whole empathy and leadership thing, which I am so excited about, especially uh, in this day and age. I I just feel like, you know, big, big topics. So um, I actually would like to start with asking you about what some of the warning signs are that uh, you know, for a leader, that their empathy could use some work.
1: Sure, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think one thing is notice what's happening with your employees and how how engaged are you with them. Um, you know, a lot of people are experiencing high turnover in their organizations because of the you know, like everyone's calling it the Great Resignation. But one of the things that's um, driving that is this sense of um, a lack of empathy and empathetic support. Um, So there's a lot of studies that have come out that have found that empathy within an organization can lead to um, more of a sense of belonging, number one, into the organization. Another is around people's ability to be uh, innovative if they have an empathetic leader. Um, another is that there's an increased ability to just balance work and life, um, when they've got a boss that's empathetic. So I think for yourself, some warning signs, you know, to the listener, warning signs are, you know, are you hearing about these things? Is there a challenge that's coming up in people not feeling like they're belonging, that they're not feeling heard? You know, if people are leaving, what are they saying in the exit interview? Are you finding that people aren't quite as empathetic, Um, you know, or, or or being as innovative as they could be, or are they talking about struggling with the work-life balance and how is that playing out? Um, You know, what's the conversation that they're having with their manager? How is that manager supporting them? Or you might be the person yourself. How are you responding to people? You know, gone are the days of, um, um, you know, nose to the grindstone, just work, 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 work. Um, now it's a much more holistic um, uh, integration of work, life, and, and understanding of who we are as people, and letting people show up as themselves and recognizing that, hey, you know, I might be having a bad day because I've got this thing going on in my personal life and I'm here, I want to be here, but give me some space to process through it. And, and support me on it so that I will continue to be able to do a good job, stay engaged with your organization and maybe stick around for the long-term.
0: It's so interesting for me. I feel like leaders want certain things out of, realize the impact they have on getting those things that they want. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Sorry, can you say that one more time?
0: Oh, sure. So I think that um, there's a lot of leaders who want certain things out of their employees, but they don't realize the impact that they have on whether they get those things or not. You yes. sort of leave it all on the employee. Right, you know?
1: right. It, it, yeah, there's this, you know, I mean, it, it, this has been going on since industrialization really got started um, and there's been this attitude that you know, your workers are like robots and automatons and they're, it's all about productivity and you know, mush, mush, do more, harder, harder. Um, and that's, that's not the case. And, and I think we, we hit a breaking point in the last five to 10 years, um, you know, the the pandemic certainly created awareness of that when people were suddenly working from home in a lot of cases. And maybe they weren't getting supported by their, their manager. The manager was expecting them to be just as productive as they always were when, even though they had you know, the kids at home and doing cartwheels and you know school wasn't in session or school had gone virtual. And there's a lot of stress that was put on parents that were were put on people that that had to still go into the office or their, their work environment if they're in manufacturing or in the service industry, you know, they were still showing up or losing their jobs, you know, there's so much chaos and upset and the sort of old school manager wasn't really sensitive to the human impact that, that all of this was having and, and not realizing or recognizing that by showing a little bit of empathy, and I'm talking about just seeing the point of view of somebody else. It's not even about feeling the feelings, but just recognizing, hey, I know this is, is really tough. I'm feeling this myself. How, how is this going for you? Let's, let's talk about that. Um, and having more of an individual connection with people, rather than um, just being, you know, all about the work all the time. And, you know, personal life has, has nothing to do with any of this. Because we're not, we're not robots. I mean, we show up as ourselves, if I've got stress at home and I, you know, it's gonna come with me into the office and vice versa. And when now in this world of hybrid work or even all virtual work, those things can get uh, intermingled even more. And there's a, a simple way to manage it. And that's about having empathy and being more empathetic in your conversation.
0: Okay. so. Let's talk about that conversation. Let's talk about um, what are some of those questions or phrases that people could be using in that everyday conversation that would boost their empathy?
1: So I think for everybody, um, they need to recognize that You know, the more you give, the more you get back from people. So it it isn't a one way street. Uh, Managers do need to be willing to open up a little bit about how things are affecting them, their own personal life, um, what the the you know, in the case of the pandemic, but even current events, um, how how that's sitting with them. So you need to be willing to open up and share. But then in the conversation I always talk about like let's take that 30 minute stand up one-on-one update whatever you know people call that meeting with their staff a lot of times those meetings used to be just let's dive in what's going on let's update on you know projects process people whatever those metrics are and my encouragement to people and my challenge to people is to to reframe that and to spend at least the first 10 minutes Just talking about how you're doing. And, you know, it's, we can very easily say, Hey, how are you? And you're going to get that um, sort of pat answer in some cases where people are just going to go, Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing well. Things are great. Thanks. Um, And it's very superficial. But then you want to follow it up and go, Well, how are you really? Um, You know, and try to get beneath the surface a little bit. And this is where, if you as the manager are sharing a little more about yourself, you're gonna to start to get more back from them. So sometimes you have to lead the way and model the behavior and what you wanna see, but spend some time talking about whatever is going on. And it's not just about the latest you know, sporting event, but d- dive into you know, other personal items that, that are coming up or that are going on or the way current events are, are showing up and having that conversation and listening and using some easy probes like, tell me more about that, to get them to continue the conversation. Um, And then you need to be listening. And you want to repeat back to them what they might be telling you um, so that they recognize, if you're using empathetic language, saying, I can see your point of view, or I can see how that would be difficult for you, um, and repeat back what you've heard from them, that's going to help people feel like, A, you're hearing them, which is gonna help them feel like they're supported and understood and seen and ultimately feel safe in the organization and secure. And that's ultimately what you want because that becomes the foundation of a happy, productive employee.
0: One of the things that comes to my mind when I hear that, and thank you so much for that. I think that that was really valuable. One of the things that comes to my mind is that the leader has to, ask the questions, you know, genuinely, right? Yes. That, the, that the has to, when, when someone's, when you say, so how are you? And someone says, fine, you say, okay, but how are you really? They have to really mean it.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, it, any, any of those things, if there isn't uh, gen, genuine, authentic, you know, interest, concern expressed in that, people are going to read through that and it's actually going to push you further back um, because you're just going to come across as fake. So, yeah, you, you you do have to mean it. And, and that is also, I mean, your body language can say so much. Like, don't be looking at your email. If you're on a Zoom call, don't be looking at your emails and tapping out a reply to somebody when you're having that conversation with one of your direct reports. Put the phone down, dedicate, be present, actively listen to what they're saying so that you can um, that you're focused on what they're saying, you're going to actually hear it and be able to, to internalize it and understand it. And they are going to know that you are hearing them. And that's what helps lead them to that feeling of support and, and security.
0: Right, 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 right. And will you talk some about how creating an empathetic workplace boosts the company's bottom line? Because You know, some people, especially really logical thinkers, are sometimes not necessarily in touch with how important empathy, you know, feels a little woo-woo for them, maybe it's a soft skill sort of thing, and so um, let's, let's point it toward the bottom line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And empathy is something that is often misunderstood. So I do like to take a minute to demystify it. And one of the things I like to tell people is, you know, there's actually two different types of empathy. There's cognitive empathy, which is perspective taking, and then there's emotional empathy. And emotional empathy is feeling the feelings of somebody else. And typically, Emotional empathy isn't something, some people are wired to be more emotionally empathetic, but generally we're not feeling the feelings of somebody else unless it's somebody that we're really, really close to. So we're talking about family members, very, very close friends cognitive empathy, being able to see the perspective of somebody else, that's what you want to use in the workplace. That's what comes to to play in all of our daily interactions. So it's really about being able to see the perspective. And then another misconception people have is that they are going to have to, by having empathy with somebody else, they're going to have to give up their own point of view. And that's not the case as well. Having empathy just means that you see the point of view of somebody else. You can recognize it, acknowledge that it exists, and then with that you can work towards a decision or collaborating or it's going to improve your communication or your ability to persuade or to problem solve or to ideate so many different things. Empathy is like the secret ingredient to the skills that we need to be the people that we want to be. Um, So as it gets back into uh, companies, so a a few different stats for you. 90% of Gen Z have indicated they're more likely to stay at an empathetic employer company. Um, Three quarters of employees report that they feel engaged in their jobs when they have highly empathetic managers. 86% Eighty-six percent are able to manage demands of work and personal life when they have that empathetic leader, compared to sixty percent when they have a less empathetic leader. Sixty-one um, percent, I mentioned earlier, the the ability to be innovative. Sixty-one percent of people are saying they're able to be innovative at work, compared to thirteen percent. So you know you've got all these situations where uh, empathy is something that helps boost engagement, productivity, that feeling of belonging. And yet, there's another piece of data. Only one in four employees believe empathy in their organization is sufficient. So only, yeah. So there, there's some real tension there. It's like, yeah, I want empathetic leadership. I want my organization to see my point of view, you know, work with me from that perspective. But most people are finding that their organizations are lacking it.
0: That's
1: amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you look at, okay, so how does that then play out? So that's just within an organization. And then you start thinking about how you might be, you know, selling or providing customer service or uh, consumer response. And in that case, um, you know, 97% of customers, so pretty much everybody, says that empathy is the most important element in customer engagement. So people should really be thinking about those scripts that they've got for their customer service or their call centers or whoever they're, they're, they've got communicating with their public. Are you coming at it from an empathetic perspective? Are you seeing the point of view? Are you acknowledging how somebody might be, you know, feeling or where they're coming from and using that information to help resolve situations?
0: Yeah, see, I think that is
1: huge. I do too. It's it's just it's it's massive and we've we've lost sight of that over the years. And yet when companies do level or leverage empathy, they have some tremendous successes. Um, you know, one example I always like to cite um, on a larger scale was Unilever and what they were able to do with Dove. And they completely reinvented, Uh, their Dove brand with their Real Beauty campaign, because they took the time to have empathy with what women were looking for, um, truly looking for out of beauty and how they defined beauty and talked about beauty. And that led them to understand, we need to show real beauty um, and what people really think is beautiful, not ascribing to what fashion and media are telling us is beautiful, but What real people think are are beautiful and they were able to grow with that launch of that real beauty campaign and this is back i think it started in 2004. within 10 years they grew that business from 2.5 billion to four billion dollars um so they had significant sales growth as a result of it and you see it as you think about companies today that are being empathetic and connecting um, and showing true genuine empathy they they get ahead. Um, Zappos is a great uh, customer mm-hmm. success story where, it's and that's all about their their customer service and that idea of how they engage with their consumers. They'll take the shoes back. It doesn't matter, and it's free shipping and all of those good things. Um, and again, they had great success. So they look at their bottom line differently. It's not about that short-term moment, it's about the long-term value of their consumer over the lifetime rather than per engagement. And that's an, you know because they're taking empathy and they're able to reap the, the benefits of that.
0: Yeah, I, I so see that. And as you were talking, I, I kept thinking about um, an experience I had with a company, I can't remember who they were, um, where I was the customer and their way of communicating, their, their, their processes and systems were set up and someone actually told me this, that they were set up to make it more streamlined and easier internally, but they hadn't paid any attention to what the customer had to go through in order to engage with them and and i know and and so it's like okay well good for you that it's better internally but hello both those things need to be true
1: right and otherwise it's going to get even easier because you're going to have fewer customers Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah that's a
0: good point yeah
1: how much do you understand the future of finance Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.
0: Yeah. Do do they, do you think that, this is a terrible question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I get the feeling that some, you know, really large, you know, Fortune 50 companies don't care because they're, they're making enough money. And, and maybe they're, you know, like in the cell phone industry and, and, internet and whatever, it, they're sort of, um, they have a captive audience.
1: Well, that certainly diminishes their motivation to change until they get disrupted somehow, um, in their business. And then suddenly they're going to care a lot. Um, I mean, we work at Ignite 360, my firm, we work with some pretty large companies, um, and some small ones too. And, I have to say that there's definitely interest in understanding empathy and how it applies in the workplace. So we do training programs and things like that. Um, And yet, it takes time I mean these are things that you know we're we are fighting um, against practices and beliefs and behaviors that go back 50 60 70 years or more um, and, and ideas about what it meant to show up at work and, you know, emotion, again, because people get confused about empathy and emotions, oh, emotion is weak and that doesn't have a place here. And so it, it really, it starts at the top. Leaders have to be willing to, uh, make that change and they have to be willing to change their own behavior in order to do it. Um, and it's certainly easier to do at a smaller company because there's less people um, that are involved in that and the leader is seen more readily. But, I, you know, Microsoft, Satya Nadella is a huge supporter of empathy and, the, the, and has talked about it and wrote about it in his book that came out six years ago or so. Um, and they're recognizing that having empathy is critical in the workplace and in their engagements with their consumers and customers and clients. So, you know, it's it's out there but we have to continually remind people of the success stories too to to help leaders see, oh yeah, this is why we need to do it. And it'd be great if Wall Street would also reward that. <laughs> that there there's that tension there too. Yeah. It's, it's right. still it's still a business, but if you can make that investment in being, in, in creating a more empathetic culture the benefits are so huge. I mean you're going to see you know solid productivity you're going to see reduced turnover. Um, you know as I was mentioning more innovation, more loyalty, more sense of belonging um, those those are have tremendous tremendous impact on an organization and enable great things.
0: All the things people say they want,
1: right? Yeah, and leaders just have to be courageous enough to try.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is it possible to have too much empathy?
1: You know, great question. There's, um, empathy is something that we are, the ability to have empathy is something we're all born with. Um, neuroscientists uh, have found at Harvard and at Stanford have found the parts of our brain that light up. But what happens, it's kind of like, you know, when you're born, a baby is born with the muscles to walk, but needs to be given the opportunity to learn how to do that and to strengthen those muscles and the same is true of empathy. And that's part of what's led us to our current situation is um, there's so many different things that are reducing our opportunities to practice empathy or where we would have naturally done it. uh, We weren't given the chance to improve our skills or, you know, I'll point to social media as another one that doesn't uh, let us be empathetic with each other um, because it's all about validation and and likes and very self-directed, but we have the ability to do it. And so can people be too empathetic? There are individuals that are known as highly sensitive people. Um, They are wonderful human beings. They feel immensely and their challenges are different than somebody that is too far on the other side that are less sensitive and maybe aren't tapped in enough. In all of those cases, you've got to manage what you're feeling in your heart with what you're thinking in your head. And the ideal situation is when you can bring those two things into alignment and harness them together because that's what's gonna create the conviction to actually do something, to make a new product, to, to change something in your business, to make the world a better place those two things, the head and the heart need to come together. Um, You know, I'll use, we always talk about um, the story of one and the power that the story of one individual um, can persuade. And you can take any, uh, any current event as an example of that. The pandemic, you know, over a million American citizens have died from the pandemic that number is so huge, it's really hard to wrap your head around to imagine it's larger than some American cities. And yet, when I tell you the story of one person that passed away, and I I found a story of um, Rosemary Blackwell, and she was a teacher in uh, rural Texas. And beloved by her community, Uh, you know, one of those teachers that kept in touch with her students. She was teaching for more than 20 years. So she was starting to see the next generation of of kids from her own students come through. She was mentoring new young teachers. She died from COVID. um, I think it was uh, six hours after her husband, Paul, who was the town football coach, died from COVID. And suddenly when you hear that story, it sits with you differently. You're like, oh my gosh, that's, there's tragedy. Like I I understand, I need to do something about that. And you can use any situation. And in the business context, it's the same thing about understanding your consumer. You might know, you know, or your customer your client, you might know generally who they are, but when you start to hear the individual stories and the role that your product or brand might play in their life, it's suddenly opens you up in new ways um and it gives you more inspiration and you might actually be motivated because the head and the heart are coming together so that you understand oh this is the course of action that we need to take it becomes like a, a sort of radical compassion if you would
0: so interesting wow this, this is just like I, I, you have no idea how many thoughts are like buzzing around in my head and and you know it's just like light bulbs going off it's, probably a pretty scary place to be but
1: oh I um, love it I love hearing that
0: I'm I'm sure I mean I just anyway so I gotta stay focused though so um what So apparently there are three types of empathy and I'm wondering if you can share what those are and which are most crucial in the workplace
1: Um, Yeah. So I think about it as two different types. There's a few different kind of frameworks out there. I talk about uh, cognitive empathy and emotional empathy. Oh, the two that
0: you talked about before.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And you, okay. All right. So thank you for that, that, that put that all together for me. So um, let's move this To this weird world that we're living in where we have remote work and we have hybrid and you know all all of that and a question that I hear a lot is how do you how do you maintain create and maintain connection in this weird you know environment that a lot of companies are in so what what what's your what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah. Well, and and back to what I said earlier, I think there's a recognition that all leaders need to go through that um, not everybody is the same and they're people and humans, not robots. So what people need are different. There, there are folks that might be more introverted that are thriving working from home or people that are extroverted, but they like they just like being at home and others that really need to have the um, human connection, or they find that being in a busy office takes them away from the distractions at home and they're able to, to work more. And everybody's different. And, and uh, to be honest, my company, when I founded it in 2011, I set it up to be virtual. Um, and partly because we were doing, we do a lot of qualitative research, which means meeting people in person. So that meant a lot of travel. And I wanted people to be able to be home. When they were home, I didn't, and in their home market, I didn't want them to get off a plane at midnight and have to punch a clock at at 9 a.m. And quite honestly, I didn't want to have to do that either. Um, But that's worked out. But what we've done is found ways to bring people together and in ways that are meaningful. So, um, as I I had mentioned, like when you're doing that that update with somebody, take time to make it personal and to chit chat and and find out what's going on. Make sure if you're a leader that you're connecting with your different employees on a regular interval. It doesn't have to be every week, but whatever makes sense for your organization and have more of that personal downtime and and find out how they're doing. Um, You know, schedule if people are all in one place or you can bring people together into one place. Do that. Make that investment. Um, You know, and and rethink what it is that you're going to do. It doesn't mean that you need to go do a happy hour anymore or do a team bowling event. Or maybe it is. But talk to your team and find out what they might want to do. And what are ways uh, for when you are together in an office that it has meaning and it's not just reporting to an office for the sake of, you know, filling desks and justifying expensive rent.
0: Yeah. And and I gotta tell you, I am so thrilled that I asked the question and, and that, that is the answer because one of the things that I've been saying a lot lately is that you need to think of it along the lines of an IEP for your employees, you know, an individual employee plan. Yeah. Right? Because, yeah. because everyone is and that's one of the things that we've really realized through the pandemic is that we have the opportunity to create a strategy. For each person, not for what we used to think was the work environment we had to have. Yes. Yeah. It's huge.
1: And 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 that's the thing. I was reading an interview with the CEO of Airbnb recently, and they've they've told people they can work remotely. You know, the company will c- continue to have office space, but they're in the process of reimagining their office space and and recognize that the office, the modern office is a construct that goes back. I mean, you know, a hundred years, if not hundreds of years, where there was a place that people would gather and come in and be productive and then go home. And that's not really the case anymore. Technology has made it so that that's not necessary. So reimagine the workplace. You may find that you don't need as much real estate. um, And then you may find that the way your real estate is set up can change and evolve because people still do want to meet we are inherently social individuals. Um, but the way your your workspaces are set up might need to be more creative and productive in that regard, stimulating rather than cubicles that people show up and and you know crank out nine hours of of work that which they could just do anywhere.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, boy, you know, Rob, this has been so great. I really appreciate this information. I think it's very timely um, and, and just such a great way of looking at what we can do in this environment, in any environment, but I think especially with employees really telegraphing out loud, screaming, you know, from the rooftops about what they, what, what is meaningful for them in a work environment and, um, and what leaders really need to do about that. So thank you so much for being here with me.
1: Diane, I loved the conversation. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. And so will you tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you, um, about your audio book that's coming out, like anything you think they should know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I have a book that's about empathy and the five steps to get to empathy. Um, largely cognitive empathy, but it works on all levels. It's called Tell Me More About That, Solving the Empathy Crisis, One Conversation at a Time. It is available wherever uh, somebody normally buys books, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, the indie booksellers, um, in hardcover and ebook, and on June 21st, an audiobook that I've narrated uh, myself is coming out. So I hope people will check that out. You can also learn more about me uh, through a website related to the book, which is five steps to empathy.com. And it's the number five steps to empathy.com. Um, You can also find me on social media. Um, You pretty much look up empathy activist on Instagram, uh, RM Volpe on Twitter, please find me on LinkedIn. If you search Rob Volpe, empathy activist, it it will show up. And then I should mention as well, um, my company Ignite 360. If you're interested in learning more, we have a lot of thought pieces on insights work and and how to um, have empathy and storytelling and, and then just general how to draw insights out of your consumers and put that to work. And that website is www.ignite-360.com, ignite-360.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I love that you're an activist.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's important and, and another word that's misunderstood. It's, yes. it's trying to make the world a better place one conversation at a time.
0: Right on. I love that. I'm trying to make the world a better place, one small business at a time. So, we,
1: we, right, We're b- we, we are very aligned. Together. Yeah, we are. We are, and that's an awesome thing. And I love that about you.
0: Thank you. I love that. Like I said, that I mean, I just love this whole activism. We're going back, you know, to the '60s where
1: maybe we yeah. can affect
0: some change. So exactly.
1: <laughs> like, we need it. We need it.
0: I know you're not kidding. Uh, well, so once again, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis.